Did you know that 10,000 men and women turn retirement age every day? The average age for men to retire here in the U.S. is 65, and it's 62 for women. When most of us think about retirement planning, our minds default to financial planning. And while addressing financial realities and having a financial game plan is, in fact, a critical part of successful retirement, it's only a piece of the puzzle. And we're not talking about that today. We're going to approach retirement planning from an angle that most of us haven't considered. Today, we're talking about coming up with a roadmap for ensuring a successful transition into retirement by considering four key areas, identity, purpose, community, and connection. So if retirement is in your future, or even if you've already retired, stick around. We're going to give you some great tips on how to successfully build a roadmap to a healthy and fulfilling retirement. Welcome to the Over 50 Health and Wellness Show. I'm your host, Kevin English. I'm the founder of The Silver Edge, and our mission is to help you build and maintain a lean, healthy body that you love for the rest of your life, so you can show up in life as the healthiest, strongest, most vital version of yourself. We have a great show for you today. John Briggs is here, and he's going to give us the tools to ensure a successful transition into retirement. But before we get to that, I want to let you know that this episode is brought to you by The Silver Edge. The Silver Edge is my online nutrition, exercise, and lifestyle coaching business, catering to those of you over 50 who aren't ready to give up and buy into the common narrative of it's all downhill from here. At The Silver Edge, we take a health-first approach to working with our clients to help them build lean, strong, vital bodies that last. Look, there's no shortage of lose weight quick coaches and programs out there in the world, but here's the deal. You can either lose weight quickly or permanently. If you're tired of losing and gaining the same weight over and over again, if you're tired of constantly dieting, if you have a poor relationship with food, exercise, and your body, then I invite you to book a call and see if our services are a good fit for you. The easiest way to do this is to head over to silveredgefitness.com and click on the coaching tab at the top of the page, or just shoot me an email at coach at silveredgefitness.com. Okay, enough of that. Let's get on with today's show. My guest today is John Briggs. John is the founder and managing partner of Authentica, where he spends most of his time in keynotes, workshops, and retreats, helping companies reach their aspired culture through intentional development of their people. And as you'll hear in this episode, John's most recent project is the Covered Bridge Program, which helps people like you and me successfully navigate life's transitions. Without further ado, let's meet John. I, I grew up in central New Hampshire in, in a 225-year-old house on the top of a hill in the middle of the winter. It's really like one of those stories, right, where, you know, walking uphill both ways to in the snow. Yeah. But I, I tell you this because I, we lived in kind of in a rural area. We didn't have running water or central heat when we first moved in. And, and as I was reflecting even on the podcast today, I was thinking about how that taught me so many so many great life lessons, right? I had such a great childhood, but it wasn't easy. We had to work hard to make things happen. We had to cut wood in the summer to make sure we had a warm house in the winter. And to bathe, we needed to prime a hand pump outside. And 
bring water in and heat it on the stove. So we had, you know, warm water to bathe in. And, you know, we eventually got our way to to, to civilization in that home. But I had a really, really great, great upbringing. You know, I, I, our family, I would say had modest, kind of modest means, but a house that was full of love and happiness and music. And I really kind of got a, got a great start in life by growing up around a, a lot of people who, who cared about the, the things like emotional well-being and, and physical and spiritual wellness. And, and so that, that, so that, that was kind of the, those are the early, early days. A lot of that resonates with me as well. I have that early childhood, kind of this idyllic sort of memories, but I grew up on a, on a working farm, a working cattle farm. And it, I mean, my days were spent basically working. Now, what I mostly remember is running wild in the woods and going down to the pond and swimming, fishing, those types of things. But really my day to day was, you know, weeding the garden and taking care of the chickens <laughs> and chasing those damn cows from one pasture to the other. And this is in Pennsylvania. So in the wintertime, I would get up on, you know, the back of the tractor in the freezing cold. And we, I was on the wagon throwing hay off for the, for the cows. But there's something about that kind of that hard work ethic that I think kind of helps develop and shape us into these more durable characters. I'm, I'm sure we'll, we'll come back to that a few, a few times today in our conversation. Now you are, well, why don't you tell us? What are you doing today? And then I want to back up a little bit and talk about how you got to doing what you're doing today. But what is it that you're doing today? What are you interested in? Well, so for the last 10 years, I've had a, a consulting practice, a stepped away from the corporate world. We can chat, chat a little bit about that history. But over the last 10 years, you know, we've spent our time helping sports teams, the companies, teams, and individuals really help to reach their aspired culture or their, their aspirations as it relates to the, the development of people, right? So we do a lot of work in emotional intelligence, the neuroscience, the stress response. So we can be at our best more often. We spend a lot of time developing, you know, sort of the frontline leader because that's, that's the point in which the organization connects to, connects to the people that are doing the work. And over the last two years, I have actually started to, or I, over the last two years, I've done a tremendous amount of research and, and work towards a new project that we're launching. Actually, we're going to be launching on the 30th of May called the Covered Bridge Program, which is an intentional pause to prepare for life beyond profession. Again, we could, we could chat more about that, but that's, that's what we're working on right now is helping people figure out how to have a, a healthy, happy, and long retirement in, in ways that, that will benefit both themselves and the world around them. Gotcha. So now you're talking about you, you spent these, these 10 years really building teams, building people, building systems. And you mentioned a couple of terms in there. You mentioned emotional intelligence and neuroscience. Let's, why don't you define both of those? What do those mean? And how do, how are they applicable when you're talking about, Hey, I, we're trying to develop these, say, sports teams or these corporate teams or indiv high performing individuals? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. So. Well, you know, one of our goals in everything that we do is to try to make the complex simple. And, uh, and I've never claimed to be the smartest guy in the room. So maybe that's why the equation works. But essentially, emotional intelligence is just understanding how we show up and how we impact the world around us, the way that we show up and also our ability to connect with others and to recognize emotions of others. Right. So how that relates to sports teams or organizations is look, if we're going to be at our best. We need our rational minds intact, right? Most of us are, we're, we're, we're not stupid people, but sometimes we do stupid things, right? Why is that? Well, 
in the neuroscience, the neuroscience teaches us that, you know, anytime we have stress and complexity enter our worlds, we reduce the ability to think in complexity. We reduce, we narrow that vision that we have. And essentially what we're doing is we're narrowing the choices that are available to us. So our goal is how do we teach people first about the system, about the, the brain, about our physiology and how our bodies respond in these moments? And then how do we teach them strategies that when we recognize that that's happened, because you can, you can never outsmart the system. The, this system is a, is a much more primitive system that we're talking about. The limbic system is compared to the rational system. And so we can't control the limbic, but what we can do is recognize when that lim limbic system is sending a signal that there is a stress response, there's something going on. And then implementing a strategy using physiology to be able to be, to be better more often. And then when we're not, do less damage. I, I love that concept. Be better more often. And when we're not, do less damage. Absolutely. Now, our YouTube viewers can see your shirt. Now, podcast folks cannot. But it's, I believe, yeah, there you go. It says EQ, and then there's a line, and then IQ underneath it. Am I to understand then that the meaning there is that emotional intelligence is takes primacy or is more important than intellectual? What, what What's that mean? What's the EQ over IQ? Yeah, so I choose EQ over IQ in the world that I live in. And let me tell you why. IQ is is important. It's something that we need to have and to do any job to 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 be a, a parent, to, right? Anything we're gonna we we need a sort of a baseline of IQ. We as a society have put a lot of a lot of validity behind IQ, starting from when we were really little, right? The gifted and talented programs. I'll I'll often go into sessions and say, How many people are part of a gifted and talented program? And I see hands go up, right? And and the smiles come to the faces. This is a this is sort of a prideful moment. That was the furthest from the programs that I was a part of. And so it's important to have that IQ, and especially when we're taking on, you know, technical work. But as it relates to the work with people, when we're actually talking about connecting and building relationships, as we talk about this transition as an example into retirement, I would much rather have somebody sitting next to me who empathizes with me, who understands me and can communicate well with me, rather than someone who knows more than me. That might be useful in certain situations, but as it relates to that transition, one of the things we understand is the, the importance of the human connection. And to have human connection, you've got to have that EQ component. The good news is EQ can be learned. Where IQ is set at a, you know, at the age of 12 or 13, depending on where you're Googling it. IQ is something that you can learn and you can continue to develop even, you know, sort of well into our, our last years. Okay. So I, I suspect we're going to come back to that several times here, the emotional intelligence piece, but I want to back up a little bit because you'd mentioned that, Hey, I, you know, I had this corporate career early on, I, I transitioned out of that and I got into this consulting teams, people, high performers. And then now, of course, in the last couple of years, this covered bridge program, I do want to come back to that, but why, what, what was the catalyst? What made you decide to move into this new space of, I think you call it an intentional pause before retirement? What was the thinking there and leading you down this path to where, what you're doing today? Yeah. I, well, I, I, I love the question. We found a lot of, thankfully, and not a, a lot of success, and not just success from a sort of a business perspective, but success in that, you know, people have continued to communicate with us following programs saying, hey, look, the things that you taught me about emotional intelligence, the things you taught me about the difference between intention and impact, about the cortisol response, about the gratitude response, right? 
and that flow of serotonin that we can naturally produce. That's, that's been really, really great work and, and work that we'll continue to do. But a couple of years ago, you know, I, I started to research other areas where, where are there gaps that exist that we haven't yet sort of discovered or, or haven't solved for. And I became fascinated with, with life transitions and lots of, you know, great literature out there. Some, some recent writing, Bruce Filer's book around life transitions is, is excellent. Arthur Brooks wrote a book called Strike the Strike, also a, a great must read, I would say. And as I started to learn more about life transitions, I recognized that although there is a lot of literature and a lot of writing on life transitions, one of the other things we've always tried to do in our organization at Authentica is we not only try to make the complex simple, we try to, we try to take things that may be a concept or conceptual in nature and actually add practicality to it. So what essentially we've done is looked at life transitions and understood not where do life transitions go wrong, but when do they go well and why is that? And in the research and the interviews and the reading, it was pretty clear that when we synthesized the data, there were three sort of common elements that went along with successful life transitions. There's an intentional pause, right? Some period of preparation and planning. There is a structure and process that accompanies, and then there are people who walk alongside you to ensure that you're safe. So let, let me give you an example. You know, there are, there are lots of life transitions that have, have these three elements. You think about it, a kid who goes from not driving to driving or from high school as an example to college, right? My, my bonus daughter is going off to college. In fact, she's at orientation right now. And this is, is a brilliant example because she started, she didn't just start thinking about college when she graduated last weekend. She's been thinking about this for the last couple of years, right? Not in one time, but over a period of time, this intentional pause to explore, to understand where does she want to go, where she wants to study, et cetera. Once kids get into college, they're just not dropped in without some structure and process. They go through orientation. They understand where the buildings are. Where do I go to eat, right? What is, what does my class schedule look like? And what's a syllabi? And those things kind of hold that, hold everything in the system together. And then finally, you've got guides that are there to walk alongside you. You know, your resident assistant, your academic advisor, our coach, band director, whatever it might be. As I started exploring the life transitions where this doesn't necessarily exist, you know, places like going from pro sports to life, from Olympic life to life, from the military to civilian life, right? There are a number of these transitions that don't necessarily have those three elements. And the one that we decided to start with was that of retirement. And it's sort of twofold. One are the statistics that exist, that currently exist around retirement that are alarming. And the other is that there are 10,000 people reaching retirement age every single day in the United States. So there is an absolute need for this. So that's, that's why we've started to make this pivot and a particular pivot to the covered bridge, starting with the, the covered bridge around retirement. Okay. I love the idea of looking at life in phases because certain these transitional, major transitional phases. And that's certainly one of the reasons I started this podcast, right? The over 50. And I chose 58 because I'm in that age bracket, right? I'm 59 right now, but 50 seems to be, I mean, it's a big birthday, but a lot of life transition things are occurring to people in their fifties and sixties. We're empty nesters. Many of us are considering second careers, such as myself. Many of us are looking at retirement. We're dealing with elderly parents or perhaps parents that have passed. And there's just all these big transitions. 
And as you're mentioning this, you're talking about the three elements of a successful transition. I think you said an intentional pause, some sort of a structured process, and then maybe a a guide or a, a mentor to walk alongside you. Most of the things I just mentioned don't have that. In fact, I think you know, you gave a couple of great examples as well, but retirement, when I think of retirement planning and I'm considering my own personal retirement, I'm really focused on finance. And I suppose that corner is pretty well, that market's pretty well cornered, cornered right now, right? People have got that down, but I've not heard people talk about retirement the way you are talking about retirement in terms of taking an intentional pause and having a structured process. Why would, why would I consider doing that? Why do I need to consider doing those things? So there, there are a couple, a couple of considerations here. First, I love what you said about a second career. You know, we're, we're calling those the encore occupations, right? Right on. That, that we may be able to explore in our retirement years. And, and I think that's where it starts. It starts by redefining what retirement is. You know, I grew up thinking retirement was you finish working and then you're sort of forgive my crude, crude expression, but you're sort of waiting for death, right? I'm going out to the pasture, my best years are behind me, and I'm no longer an active part of the world. And although that might have been true at one point in, two, in time, and that may be a bit of an exaggeration, though I, I don't think it's that much of a stretch, we're living in a different time, a different world, right? In terms of our, our health and longevity. So we've got more years here, right? We've, we know more about how to keep ourselves well. And, and a lot of that comes down to continue to be engaged, right? To continue to be connected to people, to have a community that's around you, to have an identity and purpose that goes beyond what your professional identity and purpose is, right? I mean, we spend 80 plus percent of our waking hours thinking about or working, where they're working or thinking about work. And so no wonder why we tie our identity and our purpose along with our community connections to the work that we do. Think about it as a hot air balloon, right? That hot air balloon is tethered by these four things, identity, purpose, community, and connection. As soon as one of those or two of those are clipped, the balloon turns sideways. If all four are clipped, the balloon floats off. And so what our goal is, is to come in and say, okay, why don't we ahead of that? Why don't we ahead of the moment in time, you know, the morning after your retirement party, get your watch and people celebrate you the next morning you retired, instead of allowing that moment to be a moment where those tethers for work are clipped and you float away, that we can re we can establish ahead of time four new pillars. What is my identity beyond the work that I do? What is my purpose beyond that work? When I do stop working, who will be the community that I spend time with? Because we know how important that is, that kind of social fitness. And then around human connection, like, you know, even us, as we've, we've talked here for the last few weeks, you know, sort of the, the importance of even this relationship, these kinds of relationships is critical and it takes some forethought. And so what we're trying to do is just get ahead of the game. Instead of being reactive and taking care of some of the, the challenges that exist around depression and loneliness and suicide and divorce, what we're trying to do is let's get upstream. Let's get upriver from that and let's figure out how, how do we put these things in place so when people get to that transition, the rug is not swept out from underneath them? Okay, so I'm sure a lot of what you're saying is landing with the listening audience here right now. Certainly, as you're describing these four pillars, I've not heard it put that way. It, what did you say there? It's identity, purpose, community. And human connection. And, and, and connection, right. And I, I, would, 
I'd be willing to bet that a lot of people just really haven't considered that when it comes to a transition like retirement. So let's, I'd like to pick apart each one of these a little bit and get your thoughts on identity. Cause you had said, Hey, most of us, you know, we spend a large part of our life being our career. Like for me, I, I was in corporate sales forever. I was a salesman and now I've transitioned into this new career. I am a coach. But as we're making these transitions, what do I need to think about when it comes to my identity in ensuring that I have a successful transition into whatever my next stage is? What do I need to think about when it comes to identity? Yeah. Well, one of the exercises, example at the Cover Bridge program, you know, we're, we're going to spend time in traditional ways, like being in a, in a classroom and having curriculum. We'll have some different assessments and we can chat about what, what those kinds of things are. We're also going to provide ample time for, for reflection and journaling. And, you know, one of, one of the exercises that we'll take on is an exercise at kind of this introspective look at when we're at our best. How cool is it to think that I could enter retirement with all of the knowledge that I have, with all of this opportunity that exists around me? And if I'm clear about sort of who I am, especially at my best, then, wow, what a fantastic opportunity to live at my best you know, most days of the week, right? We're human, so it's not going to be always, but we can really put ourselves in position, not only to live at our best, but as a reflection of that, have a direct impact on the world around us, kind of what I'm calling good doing good, right? Good doing good. Yeah, I, I, I love that. And I suppose you're right. Most of us in this age bracket and during this kind of a transition we have a lot going for us, right? We have all this life experience and we have all this knowledge. Potentially we are financially stable. And so we have some financial resources we probably didn't have when we were younger going through other transitions. And I love that idea of stepping into this new transition and having my identity taken care of and being comfortable with that. So it's not jarring when I get there, right? Now, the next one you mentioned was purpose. And this is one of my favorite ones because and to be perfectly honest, it's because it's something I've just recently have really felt strong. I've just recently feel like I've stepped into it. I think in one of our prior discussions, I might've told you, I'm, I'm, I'm 59 and I've just now figured out what I want to be when I grow up. And I feel that way coming out of a corporate career into this, into this new identity, this new me, this new career, right? Because now I'm filled with purpose. I'm filled with passion and and look, I, I was a tech sales guy for the same company for 22 years. Loved the company. I'd say I loved the job, but really I was, I was good at it and I loved what it provided. I had no, I've got zero passion for technology. That's, that's not what winds me up. But talk to us a little bit about purpose. What are we looking for when you say, hey, we need to take some, an intentional pause and think about purpose as we're transitioning into retirement? Yeah. You know, first of all, I love what you said about sort of being an adult. And starting to consider, you know, what I want to be when I grow up. I, I love that. In fact, maybe we should coin the covered bridge program, the adult sleepaway camp, figure out what you want to do when you grow up. Right. But well, uh, you know, you had mentioned, you had mentioned, you know, sort of this pause, or we had talked about liking the idea of the pause, but you know, Kevin, when's the last time you just stopped to think about two years from now or three years from now in this chapter? So that's a great point because that's something I didn't consider in my corporate career very much other than, hey, how much money will I be making? But now that I've got this, this new purpose, this new drive, I'm absolutely thinking strategically in the years yeah. and what they, what, you know, what is possible. And it's exciting. 
Yes. Whereas before it was it was a little more mundane and profane than than I would say exciting. Yeah. Well, we get into this. We get into this circle. I look, the, the the working world is chaotic, right? Well, you said you know, sort of joke about the proverbial hamster wheel that we're on, and it's so hard to step off. And most of us don't step off actually to think and to pause. So part of this is just that intention. I mean, we mean it, intentional pause. Like, I need to pull you away from what you're doing for a week just to slow down and to stop. And you know how it is when you're on vacation and especially kind of in the corporate world, all the craziness. It takes a couple of wait, a couple of days before you can kind of start to get clear. And just about that time, you start getting freaked out about all the emails that you're going to come back to. And here comes the stress back. Well, here's an opportunity that we can actually press that intentional pause, get ahead of all of that. And when we come back to purpose now, there's this sort of this idea around purpose that, you know, we, we I, I'm a big fan of Simon Sinek. I really like the book Start With Why, along with many of his other books. And, and I think there's something, something there around kind of why do we do what we do? But I think it also goes potentially a little bit there. There may be a root cause analysis here that people haven't necessarily considered. And that is that we all have emotional needs, right? The need first and foremost for safety, right? But um, beyond that, the, the need for power, the need for acceptance, the need for respect, the need for value, right? And each of us connect to those emotional needs in certain ways. One of the reasons why I do what I do is I recognize pretty early on that although I don't consider myself a power guy, I have a really hard time with not being in control. So if I'm in front of a group and somebody else is co-facilitating with me, I am not at my best. I've got to, I've got to have control, right? So I recognize that's important. Now the question is, when I move into retirement, what's going to fill that gap? What's going to fill that hole that exists now in my need for control? The other one, which I think many people probably have is, you know, for me is a, a repeat offender in kind of the, the EQ world is appreciation. So I thrive on appreciation. So, you know, when I do lead a group or do a keynote or we're doing a retreat and we're at the end of the week retreat and someone comes up and says, man, that really changed my life. That's like, I'm like, that's why I do what I do. Like I get all fired up and I'm ready for the next thing. Well, where is that going to come from if it's not in my work? And so the exploration of how to find those things is one. The community that exists is another, right? So how do I think about those things, the things that I'm good, good, good at, and then the community that I either am part of or I'm going to be part of, and how can I contribute in ways that both accommodates the, you know, filling the gap for me, but also filling the gap for others, right? This whole idea of service mentality, I've done lots of retreats, and one of the things that often comes up is our favorite thing was the service project we did, Habitat for Humanity, humanity or building a barn or whatever it is, right? Our hands doing work for other people. And so again, even part of the Cover Breach program will have a service element to it. Okay. No, I, I'm fired up by all of that. I abs absolutely love that. And I, again, these are concepts that as you say them, they make perfect sense, but they're, it's, I don't suppose it's intuitive to, to most people listening, and maybe it is, maybe it's just me, but as you're saying this, I'm thinking, wow, I've, I've never thought of that that way. So we've covered identity purpose. You just touched on the, the importance of community as well. And then I suppose related to that is connection. And I think this is another one that might catch people by surprise. What do we need to think about connection-wise as we're entering this transition this or considering retirement? Yeah. Well, if we had a little polling option for your listeners, we could we could put a question out right now and, and the preface probably would give everybody the answer. 
But there's a there's a brilliant book that was that was released in January of this year of 2023 by a couple of Harvard professors, and it's called The Good Life, and it's the world's longest scientific study on happiness. This is a scientific study that's been going on since 1938, and it's a longitudinal study, which means they're not asking people like you and I to reflect 10 years ago or 30 years ago, how did you feel? They're, they're tracking these participants of the study throughout the course of their lives and in real time asking them about their lives and asking them about the things that are going on in their lives and therefore also about happiness. And the one thing that, that, that really struck me, and, and probably this is the first 10 pages of the book, is what is the one thing, the one thing that we can do to ensure health, longevity, and happiness in our lives? And although you and I might think, well, right, it's what we consume or what our output is in terms of our, our physical exercise. Yeah, that's, that's certainly a contributor. But the number one thing that we can do is to pay attention and to nurture the connections that we have, right? Connections are not just, they don't just happen. It requires a bit of nurturing, right? And so, you know, you think about connections that you've had in your life, connections from college, people that were really important to you in college that, you know, after a few years of college, you know, a few years after college, they kind of fell off and you haven't necessarily connected with them. You know, one of the exercises we're going to do is a reflective exercise on kind of the universe of my connections. And who are some of those connections that, you know what, I'd really like to have back in my life. That requires some level of nurturing. And so waiting until retirement to be able to do that and then reaching out kind of cold to Kevin saying, hey, Kevin, I'm going to be in Wilmington next weekend. You want to get together for a beer? And it's like, whoa, 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 right? It's in the six months or 12 months as I'm leading up to retirement, how do I start to nurture these relationships such that I get to that point in time and now I can make choices about who and where I spend my time in a really, really healthy way as compared to how am I going to spend my day today? Because I don't have anybody to spend it with. Yeah, that's another one I think that's going to catch people a little bit off guard. And I don't know, I, again, speaking personally, I think about my, my corporate life. Most of my friends were corporate acquaintances, really, or the people that I engaged with that had that community and that camaraderie and that, you know, in a corporate world work, we all have a the corporate mission, right? We're all working towards the same thing. And even now transitioning just into at first a solopreneur, and now I've just got a tiny little team, my connections are way different. And I, I think I've done a poor job of personally managing my community and connections. I've reflecting on this. Now I'm working at home, right? My, my team's all remote. I don't see people. My, my wife doesn't work at the house. I'm spending my days kind of alone and I'm realizing I'm missing some of that connection. And also I've done a poor job of fostering connections. A lot of my connections, frankly, are my wife's friends, right? They're, they're a couple friends that basically my wife being the outgoing, more extroverted part of us has kind of brought into our lives. And I've done a crappy job of managing those those relationships. And now I can suppose, I can see how, had I not basically switched careers, I say I retired, but I, <laughs> I just traded one, a corporate job for an entrepreneur life, but I can see how stepping into retirement like that and all of a sudden realizing, well, hey, everybody I know is basically my work people. And when I reach out to them, they're working, <laughs> how that might catch people off guard. So what are some well, actually, I want to save that question because I want to talk a little bit more about specifically the the Cover Bridge program. But before we get there, when you and I first connected there, it was very obvious to me immediately that we had overlapping 
overlapping audiences. I think, oh, okay, this will be a cool connection. This guy's talking to the same kind of people I am. But we connected, I think, in a, no- a couple of different ways. One is we both have this feeling that you're talking about people considering retirement. I suppose that's the age demographic I'm talking to as well. But we're both saying kind of the same thing, which is, hey, it doesn't have to be all downhill from here. In fact, it shouldn't be. And there's no reason why these can't be the best years of your lives, right? Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Because I, I, I have a feeling that you have strong feelings there as well. <laughs> yeah. Well, your feeling is your feeling is good. Your intuition is good. Yeah. There, there's there's no question. So even starting with you know sort of how you how you framed this, you know, I've done a really poor job of. My wife is a therapist, and so you know, part of this is living living with a therapist, but. I think there's a reframe here. So one interpretation is, you know, I've done a really poor job of managing this piece. Another is, well, what a glorious opportunity that I just realized today that I've got this opportunity to enhance my life in new ways, right? And, and that's the way that we've looked at the statistics. The statistics around retirement are alarming. And, and your listeners should know this. There, in the early years of retirement, the incidence of depression rises 40%. There's no gene test. There's, there's no behavioral assessment that will say who are going to be the four in 10, four in 10. Now, six yeah. in 10 report feeling somewhat or always alone. We know how it feels to be alone. What a, I mean, shoot, and then we, we can do something about this, right? And I think as compelling, if not even more compelling for me, is the rate, the incidence of suicide is highest among a male demographic, 48 to 65. And it's the same demographic that also has the fastest rate, right? The fastest rate of increasing the divorces, right? So we're talking divorce and suicide. Now, in no way am I wanting to represent us as a, a clinical program. And in fact, the other side of that, that we're looking at those things as the opportunity because what contributes to the depression? Well, what contributes to the depression is I don't know who I am anymore. I don't feel like I, I, I don't have a, a reason to do something today. I don't have people that I feel, you know, fill up my life, you know, and, and, I, and I don't know what to do with my kind of my resources that I have as compared to what a glorious opportunity. I'm somewhere between one and five years of retirement. Maybe it's, maybe it's even a company that's sending people that they'd like to keep for a couple more years or who are introducing retirement a little bit earlier than expected to people that they send as a way to help prepare them to be able to move on. Because imagine, imagine what's possible here. I think this is what's most exciting to me is yes, there's the downside on these, on these statistics. I plan on putting attention to the universe on this one. Like we're going to do something with the statistics, but it's not about those statistics. It's about the other side of the equation. Imagine what would be possible in 10,000 people every day Turning retirement age, the number of smart, experienced, wise people that could do incredible things in this world. And we can talk about redefining retirement, not as the pasture, but the best days of our lives where we are the most, we contributed the most to the world, which ultimately leads to what our reputation is. And then when we're gone, our reputation becomes our legacy, right? How cool would it be to not be known as the sales guy at tech? But the guy who changed people's lives because they understood that even though my body is growing older and things are changing, 
I can still be fit. I can still be proud of this shell that I walk around in. And, and I can have the energy to do the things I want to do in life, right? You're onto it. You're, you're already playing in this game. And, and that's exactly, that's exactly what our intention is, is to really kind of turn those statistics upside down, not because we're taking on depression, but we're taking on the opportunity that exists to continue to keep people tethered to the ground in a way that is, it is, again, it's, it's healthy, allows them to live a long life and a happy life. Amen to that, brother. I love all of that. I'm, I'm going to capture that in a sound bite, man, and just amplify it. That is fantastic. Yeah. When you talk about those scary t- statistics of people in that retirement age, and you talked about the depression, the loneliness, the suicide, the divorce, and it, it occurs to me that these are all symptoms from not having that, from losing your identity, your purpose, your community, and your connection, from not having those four pillars. Basically, you had made this, this picture of a balloon staked to the ground. That balloon is, is flown off and is, and is flapping in the wind, right? So right. amen to that. And I'd like to kind of segue this conversation a little bit because you and I have connected. We're, we're both very, very passionate about what we do. And I think we, it's safe to say we both feel called. I understand my purpose. I, I'm called to serve. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I, I feel like you've got that same vibe here. What would you say to somebody listening to this and that doesn't know their purpose, isn't passionate about things? And I'll, and I'll, I'll also tell you just a quick story before I ask you to answer that. I had a little corporate retirement party for me, right? So I've been in the same company for a long time and they threw a little party and there was a few guys there that were older than me. And I was asking them, you know, Hey, what, what, when are you guys retiring? What are you guys going to do? And in fact, a couple of them even pulled me aside and said, Hey man, just want to let you know, I'm really, really stoked for what you're doing. And so happy that you've got something you're excited about. And the number one reason people weren't ready to retire is because they have no clue what they would do next. They're financially well off. They could retire financially, but because of the things like you're just talking about it, their, their identity, their purpose, their community, their connection, all of it's wrapped up in work and they just, they don't have anything yet. What would you say to somebody who says, I don't, I don't have that purpose. I don't have that. I'm not called. I'm not sure why I'm here. I'm just kind of going through the motions. And yes, I am all of my identity, my purpose, my connection and community is wrapped up in work. I mean, this might be a good segue for what your program does, but what do you say to somebody like that? Well, I would tell them coveredbridgeprogram.com, click the button, <laughs> right. click the button, connect yeah. and let's chat. So, so when I introduce myself, oftentimes I'll talk about the transition from the corporate world to the world of being an entrepreneur or running your own consulting practice. And one of the things that I found out early on in the first weeks of being out on my own is that other people who do do what I do have a PhD, right? It, it took me five years to get a phys ed degree with, by the way, it was a great five years, right? <laughs> and, and, right you know, in, my, in my corporate career, I did, you know, I attended many programs, Harvard and Wharton and Ross. And so certainly we, we caught that, caught up on that as life went on. But I joke about this PhD, right? And then I come back and I say, you know, but I realized after time, I really do have a PhD. It's just different. It's poor, hungry, and driven. And I joke about that idea of poor, hungry, and driven, but essentially the way that we we communicate to the people that we work with is we've been in your seats. We know what it's like to be a salesperson. We know what it's like to be a manager of people. We know what it's like to be remote when you have a home office. We know what it's like to be in a home office, right? So it's a way to connect to the work because we understand the reality of the world that we're talking about. I would tell your listeners, I've got a PhD, right? So 
Yeah, I, I, I struggled. I struggled through a life transition two or three years ago for, for, you know, a period of a period of more than a couple of years. And, and, and I identified as I was working on this project and I was like, oh my gosh, what I'm working on is what I've been working on for the last four years is when that identity and that purpose, that community and connection, when those things fell out, it put me into a downward spiral. And the only way out of it is through you. You've got to make the decision, but you don't have to do it by yourself. And so the whole idea of the Cover Bridge program is, first of all, let's get ahead of it. But for those people who have retired in their first years of retirement, it still is a perfect opportunity to come and enjoy the party, create a new community with people that are there. But essentially, that's, that's what we're planning on doing with the Cover Bridge program is to get ahead of that so that other people don't have to have that PhD in that area. Absolutely love that. So we've mentioned Cover, Cover Bridge a bunch of times here. What, and you mentioned a retreat. And obviously, I think we get the gist of what you're doing there. Why don't you kind of talk us through what that program is at a high level, what people could expect when you say this Cover Bridge program? Um, obviously, we know the, at a high level the topics you're discussing, but just logistically, how does that laid out? How does it work? What does it look like? Yeah. So again, it was sort of serendipitous that all of this, all of this came together. And, and as I looked at the, what I believe are the elements of, of resolution or, or the ability to sort of intercept what's going on, it also happened to fall into our sweet spot as a company. We, you know, we've been running retreats for 25 years, you know, 15 years in the corporate world and, and 10, you know, 10 here on, on my own, on our own. And, and essentially, you know, people will arrive on a, on a Sunday, they'll depart on a Thursday, a Thursday afternoon in that period of time they're you know, they're going to be exposed to a number of different things The kind of the, the third element of what makes us successful with our business and kind of how we do what we do is instead of telling people what to do, which is kind of how I experienced some of the books that I read, we create experiences for people that create a belief that they can do it themselves. Right. So as an example. We know that, that breath work and meditation is good for healing the brain. We know that it's good for, for calming and soothing the amygdala and the stress response. We know that it's good clarity and we know that it's good for longevity. So we will be introducing on a daily basis, a period of time in the morning where we'll, we'll spend time working on breath work and we'll actually introduce meditation. We'll you know, we'll introduce the idea of, of journaling reflection, which is something you can continue to do with your retirement, right? Because you're going to be figuring things out along the way. And the first chapter of retirement is not necessarily your last chapter. You may have many chapters in this thing we call retirement. So how do we give you the tools to be able to navigate this journey? And then, you know, we're going to, we're going to have somebody walk alongside you. So throughout the course of the week, we'll have curriculum. We'll have some assessment, right? So we have a behavioral assessment and a plus one. So Kevin, as an example, when you plan to come, which will be great. It'll be a fantastic opportunity for us. You'll have a, a behavioral assessment, but whoever you're spending the most amount of your time with in retirement will be your plus one and they'll do an assessment. And what you'll be able to understand is, ah, oh, now I understand more about how I show up and I understand why that my significant other shows up in this way. And now I can understand why sometimes it goes like this, you know, when we're talking, right, where we have some of that conflict or, or we start to feel that intensity and pressure start to rise. Now I understand as an example, you know, I'm, 
I'm probably a bit of a reserved extrovert. Like I love being in front of people. I love being with people. And then there's a moment where I've got to unplug and recharge. My wife is an outgoing introvert, right? And so she'll go to a meeting and she'll consume as much as she can. She doesn't want to be on the stage, but she'll take in as much as she can. And then she'll go and she'll unplug, right? So we, we all have different strategies. And, you know, I, I even remember, because we'll be talking about relationships in retirement as, as, a, as a core, right? I remember at one point, my wife and I were on a vacation and I get restless, right? And so she said, you know, why don't you go out and do something? And, and I said, well, are you okay with that? She said, yeah, I'd love to hang out here and just relax in this, you know, this great bed. And I was like, well, that's the last thing I want to do. I want to go and explore the city. And I was able to walk out and explore the city and enjoy my time guilt-free because we had had that conversation and it wasn't upsetting to her that I was gone. In fact, she kind of liked having her space, right? So if people can start to have those conversations, honestly, then think about, again, how, how much more we can enjoy from even the, the relationships we carry on into retirement. So essentially, people will have these, these days, you know, these four days at the retreat. Upon leaving, they'll have an action plan that they put together that will help them prepare in these four areas prior to the point that they actually you know, receive the watch and the retirement party so that they're able to sort of put some of these things in place. And we're also going to have a guide that stays with them for six months. So once a month for six months, that guide is there, not necessarily coaching, but just trying to help people stay on track with what their plans are and helping them put together strategies if they're challenged, put together strategies to make sure they're, they're able to accommodate their plan again in a healthy fashion. Okay, so that brings us all the way back because you had said the three elements of a successful transition were going to be this intentional pause, the structured process, and somebody to walk alongside you. And what you've just described here is basically that, right? You have that retreat, which is that very literal intentional pause with all of these actionable exercises as opposed to more theoretical classroom type yeah. learning. They're going to walk away with an action plan. Okay, here is my here's my plan. Here's my structured process, and then you folks are going to stay with them for the next six months as as that guide to help them tweak this and etc. So, if folks are interested in learning more or potentially participating in, in this type of a program, what's the best way for them to connect? Yeah, uh, as I said before, coveredbridgeprogram.com. I will get us get you right to us. And we'll be excited, excited to hear from you. You could also certainly check us out on our website, AuthenticaUSA.com. But again, that coveredbridge.com will get, get you right to us. We're really excited. We're already having a tremendous amount of both feedback and, and interest in the programs. We've got the six dates right now set for the fall and many more to come for 2024. And we're starting to, starting to fill those programs. So, you know, if, if you're somebody saying, you know, when's the right time for me to do this? It's probably the right time, right? If you're thinking about retirement, if you're, even if you're just picking your head up now saying, look, I'll be financially able to retire at this point in time, having more time with a plan could be a good thing. And, and Kevin, I'll just, I'll leave you, leave you also with, with the idea that this is not about financial planning. And in fact, sort of a prerequisite for this work, for this, this particular program is the, the, is achieving the point where people feel comfortable with their finances to retire, that this is not, although people may continue to, to earn money in, you know, sort of in the things that they do afterwards, that really this is intended for people who are at the point in their lives where that's not a contributing cause of stress to the work that they're going to be doing or the life that they're going to be taking on. And if you're not there yet, 
as soon as you are, come on back because the covered bridge is there for a reason, right? You grew up in Pennsylvania, I think. Lots of covered bridges yeah. in Pennsylvania. Yeah. The whole idea of a covered bridge, you know, most people think about the traveler and the loved ones who are traveling across the bridge in severe weather, that it keeps them safe in their passage. The other thing about covered bridges is the covered bridge is built in a way to protect the infrastructure of the bridge, the trellis of the bridge. So this is a program that we plan on not just building, not just having, you know, sort of this year and next year, but this is going to be a program that we hope is available to many, many, many people for many years. So we'll be around. We'll look forward to, to seeing you when you get there. Right on. Like you said, going to put a dent in the universe, right? Let's, let's do it. Okay. All right, John. Well, hey, folks, I will drop links to all of that into the show notes here, as well as any social media. John mentioned a few books along the way. I'll make sure I, I get those and drop those into the show notes. You guys can find that there. John, I want to thank you so much for taking the time coming on the show today, sharing your knowledge and your wisdom, but most of all, your passion with us. I think the work you are doing is admirable and really encourage you to keep up the great work. Well, I would, yeah, I'd return that right back at you, Kevin. You know, there's, there's something combustible when you get a couple of people together who are excited, excited about the same thing. And yeah. I, I will continue to, to listen to, to your podcast and also continue to, to stay in touch with you as this body is also over 50 and, and, and I'll look forward to utilizing the resources that you have available too. So I appreciate you very much. Thanks for having me on. And I look forward to, look forward to staying connected. Okay, that's our show for today, folks. If you've enjoyed this podcast, I want to let you know that we have other free resources over at silveredgefree.com. There you'll find our free guides with our top tips on nutrition, exercise, and healthy lifestyle to assist you in your weight loss and fitness journey. So feel free to head over there and download anything that looks useful to you. I'll put links to everything we talked about in the show notes, and you can find those over at silveredgefitness.com slash 196. As we wrap up our time together today, you can show your support for this show in two important ways. One is to tell a friend about this podcast and encourage them to give it a listen. The second is for you YouTube folks to click the like and subscribe buttons and for you podcast folks to consider giving this podcast a five-star review on whatever platform you listen to podcasts on and be sure to subscribe and follow so you don't miss any future episodes. I really appreciate you spending your time with me today and until next time, stay strong. <laughs>